This morning, welcome to First Southern Baptist. If you're visiting with us in your bulletin, you'll find a welcome card. And if you'd uh, fill that out for us and drop it in the boxes by the doors, we'd love to get to know you a little bit. And thank you for your visit here today. 
But just a few announcements this morning. First, we're, we're mindful of Sandy Talby. Uh, very thankful for the church's support for her. We love you, Sandy. We're so sorry again for your loss. We know our brother's in heaven, and that brings us great comfort. But we do pray for you in the days ahead. These flowers were uh, from the funeral, and so we're just uh, thankful you're here today. Uh, so thank you. Uh, we do want to also recognize our brother. Uh, uh, blank it out. Help me out. Bill Powell, sorry, I, you know, we see his friendly smile and his suspenders. I'm still bad with names, but Bill, we love you, and happy birthday. Happy birthday to you, happy birthday to you. the wrong version, but that's okay. And then the last announcement that I know of is that tonight, youth is kicking back up for the fall. Uh, oh, there is one more for Hope for Kids, but we'll do youth first. So youth tonight, 6, six o'clock, and Cage is very excited to get that going, so uh, make sure you're there if you're uh, sixth grade and up, right? Marcia's got one? Yeah. Okay, go ahead. So we are doing our Christmas program. I didn't want to leave you all hanging too many weeks. Um, but I was out last week. So we're going to meet next Sunday right after church. The children and the youth and the adult choir, praise team, media people, so we can talk about what we got in store, what we're going to do. I think it's going to be exciting. The kids, I think, are going to be doing one called Hotel Noel with the help of the youth. And then the um, adults, praise team, and youth are going to be doing um, a multi-generational, I always want to say bivocational, multi-generational uh, Christmas presentation, um, probably on a different Sunday. Um, so come out and be part of that. We'll be doing lights. We'll need people behind the scenes. Um, there's narration stuff, um, all kinds of exciting things to happen. So we'll be talking about when we're going to practice, how we're going to accomplish this, and Christmas will be here. And, you know, they keep posting on Facebook how many Sundays, but I refuse to look at it. So see you next Sunday uh, right after the service can cause the music director quite anxiety to have the, the Christmas preparations from one music teacher to another, we know. Um, the last thing is just for Hope for Kids. So that's the name of our children's Wednesday night ministry, Hope for Kids. We're the corner of hope, and we're excited to give kids hope uh, through Jesus. Every Wednesday, we're opening our hours a little bit, 6 o'clock to 7.30. It's just going to help us so much get an activity in as well as a lesson. So if you're excited about that, we did lose a couple people potentially that are serving with us. We have a good team. I've heard from a couple people that want to get involved. I'm going to be at the Welcome Center at the end of the service. If you'd like to do anything to serve, whether that be teach, whether that be uh, host a little prayer group, whether that be uh, make a snack for the kids, anything of that nature, meet me at the Welcome Booth. I'd love to get you signed up. We're starting the Wednesday after Labor Day. I think it's the 6th. So Wednesday, mm -hmm. September 6th at 6 p.m. Hope for Kids will start off. I believe that's it, brother. You got another? Oh, yeah, that's right. Brother Tim Fritchie recovering from a surgery that he had last week. Anything else? All right, let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask him to be with us today. Lord, we ask you to quiet our hearts and minds. We, we come to you uh, giving you glory and praise, Lord, for being our, our creator, for being our, our awesome redeemer. Lord, you have shown us great mercy and great love by sending Jesus. May we never forget that sacrifice in which he laid down his lives, his life, so that we, our lives, could be uh, renewed and restored. And so, Lord, we're thankful for that. Lord, we're thankful for this church that you've blessed in Camden. We're thankful for our pastor. We're thankful for our deacons, our leaders here that serve so faithfully. Lord, we're thankful for the people 
that have come here today with a heart willing to worship. And I pray maybe there's some here today that, that just came because they were invited. Maybe they're not yet willing, right, to worship. But Lord, I pray your spirit would move among them and that you'd, you'd uh, soften their heart and that they would come to you in faith this morning and be saved. Lord, I pray for every church around the world that believes in you, that preaches from your word. I pray that you'd bless them and, and the words that they <coughs> preach today and the songs they sing, that your spirit, we know it's omnipresent. Lord, you are everywhere because you are God. And so we ask you to touch hearts and lives all over the world this morning. Lord, I pray for our church, those who are sick, can't be here today. Heal them, Lord. Those recovering from surgeries like Brother Tim, uh, those mourning uh, still the loss of their loved ones like Sister Sandy and many others. Lord, we, we ask that you'd meet us where we're at because in our, in our flesh, Lord, we, we confess that we are sometimes weak and we need you. And, and Lord, we thank you for being with us to be our rock, be our refuge and our redeemer. Lord, I pray for our, our worship that it would continue to be sound and in spirit and in truth. And I pray for the sermon that Brother uh, Greg has prepared to bring, that you'd bless it and that it would fall again, the words would fall upon receptive soil this morning. Lord, you are good and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's greet uh, one or two nearby with a welcome. Turn your eyes upon 
what you just sang, say amen. Amen. Go ahead and be seated. Let me dismiss our kids up to third grade to Children's Church. Thank you, Miss Amanda. And we praise the Lord for our kids. Amen. Now, we believe it is a big deal to be in church. Not because of who we are, but because of who he is. Amen. So let's thank the Lord for the kids of First Camden, all right? Amen. Amen. I want you to take your Bible this morning and I want you to open it to John chapter 1. We've already had a great day. And I'm praying, Lord, don't let me mess this up. In the first service, we baptized two. The one was a young mother named Carolyn. And uh, we baptized her. She came forward last Sunday morning. And we also uh, baptized a young Marine named Tyler Moore, who is home on leave following boot camp. He's getting ready. He's, I believe he's got 10 days at home, and then he goes for 29 days to uh, North Carolina. And then I think he said from there he will go to Fort Leonard Wood. And uh, boy, what a blessing it was just to uh, have him here. Uh, his parents were here. And uh, just uh, our nation's best right there. Amen. So we thank all of you who serve and those that continue to serve on our behalf. So this morning, for our guest, we are in a series in the book of John. We're going to conclude chapter one this morning, and the title of the message is Forever Changed. There's a song by the Kingdom Heirs called Forever Changed, but in essence, here's the testimony of the song. When Jesus Christ comes into your heart, he does a transformation. He changes you from the inside out, and, and part of that song says, uh, don't feel guilty if you doubt what he's done, but I can tell you I'm forever changed. 
I'm forever changed. And this morning, we're going to look at the beginning of the call of the disciples. And it's interesting how God took a group of misfits, really, and he used them for his glory to take the gospel to the world. Really, we're here today because God called some, some men and they took the gospel to the world. And, and let me tell you something, you can't contain the power, of the power of God or the power of the gospel. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That's what Jesus said. Boy, that takes a lot of pressure off of your pastor. I'm, I'm to faithfully preach the word of God. Jesus said, I'll take care of the number. You just be faithful. And if God can use a group of, of 12 misfits like that in the New Testament in that early call, should we be surprised that he could not use a group of misfits in a place called First Camden? I mean, we all have different backgrounds, do we not? And, and, and every family has a, a little weird uncle. And, and, and if you can't think of that in your family, maybe you're the guy, you know? Maybe you're the guy. But the truth is, God uses us in this thing called a family. And I don't know about you, but I, Sandy, I was honored to stand with your family and represent this family. And, uh, and I praise the Lord that there's hope for those who have been forever changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, you know every heart here this morning. Lord, I, I realize that the, the messenger is nothing special, but your word is and you are and you're worthy. So help us to worship in spirit and in truth. I pray you would put a holy hush in this building this morning. Other than amen and, and agreeing with your word. Lord, this is not a ball game. This is not another thing in the week. We're here to worship you and we praise you. I thank you for everybody who's watching online. And we ask today that, that you would help us rightfully divide the word of truth. As we look at this theme of being forever changed, the call to follow. Thank you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. John chapter 1, verse 35. The Bible says, again, the next day, John stood with two of his disciples, and looking at Jesus as he walked, he said, behold the Lamb of God. Now, let me remind you, this is John the Apostle writing. He's talking about John the Baptist because they were followers of John the Baptist. And, and that's why John the Baptist had to continually tell them and remind them, I'm not the one. I'm not the one. But it's interesting that verse five says, or 35 says, again. If you look at verse 29, he had just said it. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Verse 36 says, and looking at Jesus as he walked, he said, behold the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him speak, and they followed. Then Jesus turned, and seeing them following, said to them, what do you seek? They said to him, Rabbi, which is to say, when translated teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, come and see. They came and saw where he was staying and remained with him that day. Now it was about the 10th hour, about 4 p.m., and one of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, one of two. I believe the other is the writer of this gospel, John. Verse 41. 
Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, he first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which is translated to Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. And now when Jesus looked at him, he said, you are Simon, the son of Jonah. You shall be called Cephas, which is translated a stone. The following day, Jesus wanted to go to Galilee, and he found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said, Behold an Israelite indeed in whom is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered and said to him, Before Philip called you when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered and said to him, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus answered and said to him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, most assuredly, I say to you hereafter, you shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. You know what Jesus said to Nathaniel? You ain't seen nothing yet. Brothers and sisters, let me tell you, as dark as this old world can be sometimes, we ain't seen nothing yet. We ain't seen nothing yet. Who are you building your life on? What, what foundation are you standing on? Um, this morning uh, in Jacksonville, there's much grief due to some shootings that took place. I'm telling you folks, we live in a sin-sick society, but let me remind you as a believer in Jesus Christ, there's a better day coming. There's a better day coming, and in Christ we can have that. So the Bible says again the next day, John repeats what's already been said. Write this down somewhere. There are times when the servant of God needs to repeat certain things. There are times when things need to be repeated. I love the fact that Marsha picked these songs this morning. Right up to we believe, man, we were singing the hymnal. Did you know that? Did you know we were singing the hymnal off the screen? Did anybody catch that? those old dear songs. I can remember singing Precious Name, Oh How Sweet, Hope of Earth and Joy of Heaven. And I can remember singing that as an elementary boy at Northridge Baptist Church. And our song leader, Earl Human, would say, we're gonna hold the bird's eye. Precious Name, Oh How Sweet. Precious Name, Oh How Sweet. That's holding the bird's eye. Hope of Earth and Joy of Heaven. How, how, how that that there are things in life that we need to be repeating. We need to be teaching our kids the old songs and listen, us old geezers need to be learning the new songs, amen? Uh, when I get in our car at home, Renee always has on the message channel, 63, Contemporary Gospel. It takes me a split second to turn it to 65, Enlightened Southern Gospel. What are you talking about, Brother Greg? Listen to me. Worship is worship, but we all have taste. We all have preference. And my question to us sometimes in the church is, just because I don't like something that we're doing doesn't mean I'm going to be vocally critical about it. You hear that, Cody? 
I praise the Lord for the dear old sweet gospel message that was repeated to me many, many times growing up. And you know where I heard it faithfully? I, I saw it at home in my mom and dad, but I also heard it faithfully from the pulpit every Sunday. I heard it from good old Sunday school teachers that would sacrifice being in the class with people their own age to teach me about Jesus and that there's a God out there that loves me more than anything and there's a God out there who's got a big plan for your life. You might be here today and you might be struggling. You say, really, Greg, why would you say that? Because I know I struggle. Maybe you're struggling. And the good news is there's a God who loves you and he wants you to hear the sweet old story one more time this morning that he continues to call. He continues to call. I mean, when you look at that, uh, verse 35 says, they, John stood with two of the disciples. He comes to the point of stopping. And I really believe if you wanna hear from God at times, you're gonna have to stop what you're doing. You're gonna have to come to a screeching halt to hear from God. And I'm telling you, we're busy. Everything's ringing or buzzing on us. Someone's always trying to get us, get a hold of us. But isn't it something that in this passage, John the Baptist, the Bible says he stood with two of the disciples, and the Bible says in verse 36, and looked at Jesus. I love that. I love that. He stopped, he stood, and he looked. Here's the first thing I want you to take home with you today. A response is required when you meet Jesus. Josh McDowell wrote a book, Evidence That Demands a Verdict. Last week, we talked about being on the stand. Is there enough evidence in your life to convict you of being Christian? Let me tell you something. When you encounter Jesus Christ, you have to make a decision. You are confronted with a decision. You'll say, well, I'm almost there, Brother Greg. On a scale of one to 10, 10 is knowing Christ and one is not knowing him at all. I'm somewhere from five to, I'm moving that direction, Brother Greg. I'm moving that direction. Let me tell you, to not have a personal relationship with Jesus is to be lost. It doesn't matter how close you think you are. You're still lost. Could you imagine standing before God and on judgment and saying, I was close. I was closer than many other people. Depart from me, I never knew you. I believe sometimes we just gotta slow down and recognize that a response is required when we meet Jesus. When we come to church, when we come to worship, worship is not something anybody can make you do. I mean, you could say, listen, we're, we're gonna lead in worship, but no one can make you worship the Lord. That's a decision you have to make yourself. That's your response to a holy God. Have you responded to Jesus in your life? Have you responded to Christ? Uh, this same writer of the gospel wrote the little epistle of 1 John chapter 1, verse 1. Does it sound a bit like the writer that we're looking at in this gospel? That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. John, I want to ask you a question, church. How many of us today still believe that God speaks? I wonder how many of us could say, Brother Greg, I, I can't remember the last time I heard God speak to me. 
I can't remember the last time. Listen, folks, maybe it's because we just need to stand and look and listen. The Bible says they heard and they followed. The word follow means to be in the same way. We're in the same way. We're heading the same direction. And Jesus asked a question, verse 38. What do you seek? What's your heart set on? That's the question. What are you looking for? And their answer is transparent. Jesus turns, he asks, what do you seek? They said to him, Rabbi, where are you staying? He said to them, come and see. That seems to be a common thread in this whole passage today, come and see. You know, it's interesting that sometimes people may attack the word of God and you may feel defensive and may feel hurt by it, but let me tell you something. If people are asking questions about the word of God, bring them on. You don't have to defend God. He'll take care of himself. You're called to be a faithful witness, to be a witness as John the Baptist, to be a witness of these who are called and follow for the glory of God. Don't get hurt when people ask uh, honest questions. Don't, don't, be, don't take it personal as a personal attack. Uh, just begin to ask God to help them see because the Bible says faith come by hearing, hearing the word of God. So what do you want? What do you want? What do you seek? He says, come and see. They came and saw, verse 39, where he was staying, and they remained with him. Now it was about the 10th hour. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. What do you seek? What do you desire what are you plotting? What is your heart set on? And this morning, brothers and sisters in Christ, if I were to ask you the question, what are you seeking by being in worship this morning? Is it to grow closer to the Lord? Is it to grow closer to the Lord? Uh, for a large number this morning, you may have quit growing in your faith. You may be at the point where you just feel like you, you, this is as far as you're gonna go. For, I, for some, I believe there are leaders sitting in here today, you spend all of your time preparing for somebody else and you're not growing spiritually yourself. Oh, you, you, you recognize the demands of preparation, but maybe your heart is not being fertilized. Uh, my, my dad prides himself on a beautiful lawn and I've heard this more than once this year. I've only put fertilizer on it one time. I've only done it one time. I've only fertilized one time. And I'm thinking, the, the, the good news is that you fertilized. That's why it's growing. That, that's why you mow twice a week. That, that, that's why some, because something has been poured in. Listen to me. If all we expect of the Christian life is a little more than an hour together once a week, The world can knock the wind out of us in a minute. The doctor's report can come back and it is not favorable. The employer can say, we're no longer gonna keep your job. Folks, I'm telling you, uh, to grow in Christ means that the solid rock will be there regardless of the waves and whichever way this old ship bounces and turns in this thing called 
life. You see, when you quit growing, listen carefully, when you quit growing, it is very easy to lose the joy of your salvation. I'm just not happy anymore. I'm, I'm just not happy anymore. Uh, when I was young, and your pastor, you loved me through thick and thin, and I, I wanted to please everybody in the church all the time. I, I, I didn't want to make anyone offended, anyone mad. I just wanted let there be peace on earth and let it begin with me. What I discovered was that's an impossibility, and when you do that, you're playing to the people rather than the Savior. What do you seek? What do you seek? Jesus says, come and see. Come and see. A response is required when you meet Jesus. I love what we sang this morning, as a deer pants. I bet that song is close to 30 years old. Psalm 42.1, as the deer pants for the water brooks, so pants my soul for you, O God. What do you seek? And their response was a good one. Where are you staying? Where are you staying? They longed to be with Jesus. They wanted communion. They wanted fellowship. I mean, most likely they had been with him throughout the day, and now it was 4 p.m. And God sees their honest heart, and he says, come and see. Number two, come is the gracious invitation of Jesus. It's the gracious invitation of Jesus. Come today. Today's the day of salvation. Now's the appointed time, and come just as you are. You know, a lot of times we think we've got to change, right? We've got to fix things before we come to Christ. No, here's the deal. You can't fix yourself enough. He's got to do it. My sister had surgery Friday at Miami Valley, and that's where she spent 42 years in the surgery center as a nurse. She always got people ready for surgery. And I said, now you're going to have to let somebody take care of you. Folks, let me tell you something. There will come a time in your life when you recognize that you don't have what it takes. Now, I'm convinced that now at my age, I have lost all of my athletic skills. Used to, we would go somewhere, Cody, and they have a basketball shooting thing. I'm in, I'm in, we're going to win, we're going to do it. Now I duck and put on a hat to avoid anything that, that even is close to competitive. I don't play to win. Dean Kettering made fun of me once and said I play with Velcro shoes. What he was doing, he was saying you're old. But aren't you glad that when Jesus says come, it has nothing to do with what you have to offer? Come just as you are. Come just as you are. He's never seen a mess he couldn't handle. He's never seen pride he could not break. And he's never seen a person he did not love. That's the God we're talking about today. Now make sure you understand something. If you really want to see God move in your life, don't seek the blessing, seek the blesser. Seek Christ and Christ alone. Number three, make sure that what you're seeking isn't a what, make sure it's a whom. 
It's the Lord Jesus Christ. What are you seeking? Where are you staying? He says, come and see. It wasn't about position. It wasn't about power. It was about praise. It was about praise. Jesus says, come and see, verse 39. They came and saw where he was staying, and, and then we get to 40, and we begin to, to see the disciples uh, begin to be tapped by the Lord. And really, you see something that takes place, something that is life-changing. They had been with the Lord all day. I'm convinced that the longer you're with the Lord, the more you're gonna want to know about him. It doesn't take, doesn't take a person long that's visiting our church to figure out that the pastor's imperfect and the people are imperfect. But I'm telling you, when you hang with the Lord, you're gonna wanna know more about him. And you're gonna wanna be closer to him. Well, Brother Greg, what would be some things to help me? Well, how about, our, how about our Bible? How about the Word of God? Put your Bible in a place at home where it's easy to get to. Now, I don't know about you, but I would probably say most of us have more than one Bible. And you can put them in places where you don't have to crawl around to find it or get to it. You can put a place where it's easily accessible right there ready for you to open the Word of God. My dad worked second shift growing up, and our big meal was lunchtime at home during the summer when everybody's there. Mom would cook a big lunch before he went to work. After we ate, he would sit in the corner in the living room, and he would pick up this hardback olive green Bible. Some of you will be familiar with the living Bible that was real popular years ago. I believe Billy Graham was really pushing back then. And my dad would open the Word of God, and read the Bible before he'd go to work. Now, you know what? I bet you years ago, 55 years ago as a little boy, my dad never thought one thing about me watching him do that. The Word of God. How about prayer? Sometimes when I pray, do you ever feel like your prayer is, is a laundry list for the Lord? Lord, would you do this, 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 and this? It's like notes you put on your phone. You know, when you go to the store, I, I need to do this, 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 and this. When Maybe the picture here is they stood, they looked at Jesus, and they asked Jesus questions. He said, come and see. Come and see. Someone might say to you, what kind of church do you go to? Well, I hope you would say Bible preaching. Come and see. Come and say, boy, what a responsibility we have. They, they say that you need to touch people three times before they sit down. So maybe that's out in the parking lot or in the, in the lobby before shaking hands, things like that. Come and see, come and see. But that's not the end of this passage. It almost appears to me that Andrew teaches us the principle of come and see, go and tell. Come and see, go and tell. And then you get to the life of Philip, the evangelist. He says to Philip, follow me. It's almost follow me and go and tell. And then here comes old Nathaniel. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Oh, yeah, it's where Jesus was raised. Can anything good come out of Camden? Can anything good come out of Preble County? 
Andrew teaches us a principle of relationships. Number four, personal responsibility begins with those closest to you. Those closest to you. I mean, he should be an example for all of us. We read about his enthusiasm. It's the overflow of what Jesus has done in his life to call him. We have found the Messiah, he announces. And then he brings Peter to Jesus. And it's funny that Peter's the one who gets most of the ink and most of the sermon when it comes to the disciples. I mean, we're talking about Peter, who often would speak before he thought. We're talking about Peter, who said, I'll go with you all the way. We're talking about Peter, who draws his sword in the Garden of Gethsemane and cuts off the ear of Malchus. We're talking about Peter, who denies Christ three times on the way to Calvary. We're talking about Peter, who Jesus personally appears to post-resurrection. We're talking about Peter, who gets the privilege to preach the sermon at Pentecost in the book of Acts. Andrew introduced him to Jesus. You may think that Andrew's not one of the most important disciples. He's not in the inner circle with Peter, James, and John, but obviously John introduced James later as well. It's interesting that when he appears in the New Testament, Andrew it seems to have something to do with bringing people to Jesus. Was he not the one who brought the lad's lunch to Jesus when he fed the 5,000? He makes sure uh, that Jesus uh, is known by those who are closest to him. You say, Brother Greg, you don't know my home. You, d you don't know the dynamics. I certainly can't bring this subject up. Then I'm praying for you. I'm praying for boldness, and I'm praying for opportunity. I'm praying for humility. But if you really love somebody, you will not withhold the greatest thing that ever happened to you. You'll be willing to share it. We meet this Philip, and along comes Nathaniel. Bethsaida is this point north it's like the north point of the Sea of Galilee. It's almost as if uh, this reaction to meeting Jesus is a natural thing. And, and Philip, it's like a reflex. And in walks Nathaniel. Nathaniel has some good questions. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Verse 46. And Jesus saw Nathaniel coming toward him and said to him, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no guile, or in whom there's no deceit. Jesus knew the heart of Nathaniel. He knew that his questions, listen, they were sincere. And I love the fact that Jesus is not offended. I love the fact that, that he teaches us, listen, there are gonna be some folks who have no motive in questions they ask. They just don't know. They've never heard. And we might be surprised to think we live in Preble County, Ohio, southwestern Ohio, all of our neighbors in Butler and Montgomery and around us, everybody's heard the gospel in this part of Ohio. Let me tell you something. Everybody has not heard the gospel. Everybody has not heard the gospel. What is the gospel? Well, Paul defines it. For Christ died for our sins according to the scripture. 
that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scripture. That's the gospel. He came for us. He came looking. He came to die for us. The greatest search and rescue message, the greatest search and rescue ever happening was the Lord Jesus coming. And if you're a satisfied customer this morning, shout amen. And my old sin-sick soul, I think about what kind of thoughts I've had in my life and, 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 and disobedience in my life. And if there was ever a God who had any reason to throw me away, it would have been a holy God of Nazareth. But he didn't. He didn't. He died to pay for it all. God wants us to be a Philip. He wants us to find a Nathaniel. You'll say, Brother Greg, I'm not sure what my Nathaniel will say if I bring him to church. Hey, come and see. Come and see. Folks, you know what I found out? Sin is messy. It's, it's, it's messy. And, and if we're going uh, to be a place where a sinner can come and hear the truth, then we just got to get used to the fact that they may come in and say something that they're not supposed to say. They may act a little different than, than we we're used to. Praise the Lord, the great physician's in the house, and he can handle that. We've got to learn to just trust him. If a lost person's coming and seeing, we as believers should say, hey, we came and we saw, and we're trusting him. He can change your life too. You can be forever changed. Like Nathaniel number five, don't be derailed in sharing your faith when you meet objections. Don't, don't just quit. Don't, don't just think that it's all over. Man, when you begin to have a, a, a conversation about the Lord Jesus Christ, God, is, God can use any old, old body. He, listen, he can use you for his glory if you're just willing to be it. You know, years ago, I, I told you about my mom's mom, my granny Marie. Um, we went down to do a wedding to one of my cousins, and, and it, she, my granny was on my mind, and my papa's already passed away, and I said, Sheila, I, I, I'm going to talk to granny. I'm going to talk to granny. We ate. Uh, she had a house right next to my uncle Nim. She goes, I'm going to go back to the house. I said, granny, I want to go with you. So I walked with her, went to the living room, make a long story short. I asked her about her faith, and this was her answer. I said, Granny, if you were to die, would you go to heaven? Here's what she said. Greg, I sure hope so. And I said, oh, Granny, you can know. I shared the gospel with her, and she prayed with me in her living room. When I did her funeral, I had great assurance that she's in heaven, not because I shared the gospel, but because Jesus is faithful. He's faithful. I'm praying for every one of you that live in a home where sharing your faith might cost you something. That God would give you an opportunity and you would step to the door. You see, many people have real questions. That's why I believe Jesus is teaching us not to be offended by Nathaniel. Can any, anything good come out of Nazareth? When you look at that question, it's almost belittling Nazareth. But there are plenty of folks that have real, real hurt, real difficulty, and what God sees is an honest heart. And he says, uh, a man in whom there's no deceit 
no, no guile. He sees that. He, know, he knows what's going on inside of him. Ask yourself this question. Am I where God wants me to be? Am I doing what God wants me to do? Am I serving with an honest heart like Nathaniel? Verse 48, and we're about done. Nathanael said to him, how do you know me? Jesus answered and said to him, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered and said to him, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Number six, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. I believe this declares the omniscience of God. He's everywhere. See, that's what the devil cannot be. But God is everywhere. Do we not agree this morning that the Holy Spirit is here? Do we not agree this morning that the Holy Spirit is with that missionary in some outback country? Do we not agree that, that God is everywhere? And listen, he's not distracted by your problems when he's dealing with my problems. Why? He is God. And this is the one in whom John writes. Nathaniel bears witness for Christ. Why? His life is now forever changed. It's forever changed. John the Baptist was forever changed. Peter was forever changed. Martha was forever changed. Thomas was forever changed. John, the writer of this gospel, is forever changed. Why? Because they bore witness of Christ with their life. Now, I believe with all of my heart, you can't add anything, anything to your salvation. You can't do anything to merit God loving you more than somebody else. You can't do anything to merit God loving you more today than he did yesterday. The nature of God never changes. You also can't do anything bad enough for God to change loving you. That's what the cross is all about. You ready? Come and see. Taste that the Lord is good. And I'm grateful. I'm grateful for a holy God. And I'm grateful this morning that he gives us an invitation. And he gives us an invitation to respond. This, an invitation is not given to embarrass people. An invitation is not given to make a preacher feel good. An invitation is given to ask those to respond in obedience. That's all it is. If you're here today and you've never given your life to Christ, today's the day, come on. We're gonna sing, I'll be on the floor, let's settle it once and for all. Your friend will come with you, your family will come with you. Maybe you're here today and you just wanna come and pray, you're welcome to do that anytime. I praise the Lord, Anita Sackenheim's here, back in church, able to walk. I told her if the Lord gets a hold of her and she wants to run around in the sanctuary, I'm just gonna let it roll. But you might just wanna come and pray. Whatever God wants to do, that's the invitation. Let's all stand. We're gonna sing a perfect song for this message. Come just as you are. That's all God calls us to do. Father, you know every heart in this building today you know what we need, you know where we're at. And Lord, if you're churning, if you're churning in somebody's soul today to be saved, 
Oh, please, won't you come?